0: netsuite dot com slash WTF. Lock the gates. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What's happening? It's Mark Maron, me. This is WTF, my my podcast. Welcome to it. Broadcasting from the new space, the new garage. I did have a spin-out. I will tell you about it. I feel okay right now, but it, I did. I definitely went into a vortex the other day. A lot of things going on. Having a hard time talking today. I just did two hours doing a uh, book on tape reading for Amber Tamblyn's new book. She asked me to do a part, basically, and it took a lot out of me. It took a lot of my out of my mouth, out of my tongue, out of my heart, out of my mind. It's a beautifully written thing. And I don't know when it's coming out. Uh, I I put a lot into it and it wore my mouth out. But anyway, Jason Alexander, Jason Alexander is on the show today. We're going to talk about, I don't know, I don't know that we're, I think he just wanted to come by. I think that was really the idea. Uh, I think he's going to be doing a live concert with the New Jersey Symphony Orchestra on April 14th and 15th at the New Jersey Performance Arts Center in Newark and State Theater in New Brunswick. But aside from that, I think he just wanted to uh, come by and hang out in the old garage. I'm still, I'm still moving through many interviews that were done in the old space. But you want to hear about my spin out? I don't know if you know this about me. I don't know how much you know about me. But uh, if I decide there's something horribly wrong, I'll generally do everything in a flurry of obsessive compulsion to correct it, even if I'm making it up in my mind. I I have, that's the way I get things done sometimes, and that's the way I overdo things sometimes. I was incredibly nervous, as you know, from the last, uh, from the first broadcast from the new space here, about how it would sound, how it would feel, what's happening, you know, what am I going to do? I got to get books set up. I got to get the space buffered. What if it doesn't work out? What if the buffering doesn't work? What if there's a, if it doesn't sound good? A lot of things were going through my mind because I did, have my first guest interview in here uh, the other day. It's not you're not going to hear it today, but you'll hear it in the future, and it went great. It went, uh, I it might, it, it, it went better than anticipated. So here's what happens leading up to the first interview I had here in the new space. A few days ago, uh, before I had set up and I was in between the old garage and the new garage, and not knowing whether or not this would be up and running, I, I scheduled to do an interview at another space at a studio. It's not going to be on for a long time, so I don't know that I need to tell you who it is, because you'll get excited, you'll be beside yourself, you'll be chomping at your bit, champing at the bit, or whatever it is. You'll uh, you'll get anxiety over. You'll you'll be impatiently waiting. John Cleese, it was John Cleese. So, and that was a classic setup for a, a dumb dump of a punchline. Not that John Cleese is a dumb dump of a punchline. Just the I can't do it. I won't do it. I'm doing it. Classic, classic joke garbage 101 but while i'm there i noticed a kid who's working the board you know he's a kid who works the board he's uh, he's there he's obviously paid by the company that owns the studio he's a trusted guy and you know we were talking sound we were talking uh, y- y- you know the um the soundless spaces the dead spaces the studio what you do to have it completely uh insulated for sound so you know you can clap and it just you can't even it, it just gets sucked away you hear no bounce but we were talking about sound. I told him what was up, and um, he gave me his number out of nowhere. He said, uh, "Yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a consultant, and I can come over." And, and I'm like, "All right, I might need this." And then I got home, and then I immediately started obsessing. I recorded what you heard was the first intro, and I just started freaking out about. Wow, is it good? Is it bad? Is the sound right? So then I call this kid in a panic and I, you know, I'm like, uh, when can you come over? He's like, I can come over in a couple hours. He comes over in a couple hours and he brings these things that he made for himself. He's basically tells me he just got out of college. He's uh building this uh audio consulting and uh and uh you know, studio guy business. And he's he comes in to give me a consultation and he says, Well, I got my panels out in the car, and he brings in these four foam panels like they're just straight up foam there's no covering on them and they're they're sort of sitting on bases with the dowels that are running halfway up the foam and then they're taped on with black electrical tape so they're just freestanding but they definitely don't look like you bought them at a store they definitely look hand rigged so he brings those in and we talk about the ceiling we talk about the side of the over here we talk about the back here and you know what he can do and this and that he gives me some recommendations I go all right and then I just freak out and I'm like well I don't know man it sounds pretty good right now can can I can you just leave your panels your homemade um (laughs) doweled supported with splints giant pieces of foam here I'll pay you I'll pay you for the consultation and I'll pay you to rent these from you until uh Until I I get a a permanent solution. So that's what's going on in here. So I've got these panels in here. And uh, I kind of moved them around. And hold on. I think I'm going to move one now. Hold on. I'm going to move this one over here a little. Because that's what I'm feeling mystically. See? See, now in my mind, that's a lot better. Because I made a... I moved them over there. I moved one about a half a foot in. That's the world I'm living in. I am obsessively moving uh, these panels around, not knowing if they're doing anything. And it sounds fine to me in my head. It actually sounds pretty good. But so I have got my first guest coming over and I don't need to tell you who it is because it's not going to be on for a while. And there's no point in me, you know, getting you anxious and excited and, uh, you know, uh, full of anticipation. There's no reason for me to to even, you know, tip to you who the first guest I interviewed in the garage was. It was Josh Brolin. And he, strike me of a, he strikes me as a sort of an intimidating person to begin with, but I, I've been wanting to talk to him for a while. I think he's a tremendous actor. So I'm waiting for Josh Brolin. It's an hour or two before he comes over. I'm sitting out here in the garage. I'm putting books out. I'm trying to clean things up so it at least looks a little, not settled per se, but at least it looks like there are you know, things in the right place, books up. I just wanted to be able to explain everything uh, as something temporary and, uh, you know, not feel like an asshole. So about an hour and a half before Brolin comes over, I'm sitting in this chair and out the window over here, which is not great for sound either, out the window as if it were just outside the window, I hear somebody using a tool that I've never heard before. And this is day one, first guest in here. I'm scheduled to talk to Josh at 1230 at 11 o'clock. I hear a tool that sounds like several hammerheads attached to a jackhammer being used on the outside of a wall for a, uh, of a box that has nothing inside of it. It's just this ricocheting sound of a rapid fire hammering tool. And of course my response was like, are you fucking kidding me? Is this like uh, is this what is is this God's ironic sense of humor that He's going to put me through this shit? So I I leave my my space here and I walk out into the street of my new neighborhood and directly across the street, Caddy Corner, there's some guys sawing on a front porch for something they're gutting over there, and I'm trying to figure out where the fuck the uh, machine gun style jackhammer hammering instrument is coming from, and that's way across the street, a couple of three houses down. I see these guys, and I'm wandering around. I think I have my headphones still on outside. I unplugged them, and I'm I'm just wandering around with my hands outspread in the middle of the street looking for the sound. These two guys who are working on a porch down the street there see me, and I'm just standing there with a baffled and aggravated look on my face with my hands outspread, and one of them comes up to me and goes, yeah, was, uh, is okay. Is okay. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And that's not a Mexican accent. That's a vague, might be Armenian, not sure, uh, might be uh, Italian. I don't know. That wasn't from here. There's no reason for me to do it. I just want you to know that whatever I'm attempting to do is a broad based foreigner accent that could apply to many different types of ethnicities. And I said, is it, how long is it going to go on for the noise? He goes, maybe 10 minutes. And I'm like, 10 minutes. That's it. He goes, oh, then we go around back. And again, for an hour, and I'm like, what, an hour? And he goes, maybe we use smaller, uh, you know, uh, how you say, uh... I'm like, I, okay, so an hour max, and he's like, yeah, and I'm like, all right, because I figure Josh is not going to be here till 1230, then I come back in here, sweating, I'm sweating, and panicking, because I don't know if the phone's going to do it, I don't know what's going to fucking do it, I don't know if I'm going to have to move the show to another goddamn place, and I hear the hammering, and then I just move this one foam panel that's about five inches thick, that's being held up by stilts on a small platform of wood and taped. I move this just slightly, angle it in front of the window, and it's a miracle. I can barely hear the 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 weird machine. And I'm like, wow, maybe this is gonna work out. And then I go out and wait for Josh, and he walks in, and and I was concerned that like with these weird <laughs> stilted pieces of foam that it would look too professional that was my fucking concern that someone would walk in here and go like oh this isn't this is a professional operation yeah you can tell by the wood that was bought at the michael's crafts that uh, (laughs) wherever the fuck anyway that's not how it went my point is that I was sweating and spun out for nothing because I tried to solve problems that may or may not be there, but I tried to solve them preemptively to them even happening and made myself completely crazy as if I had bought the wrong house. And here I am talking to you. Just uh, just want you to remember who I am and how some things apparently will never fucking change. So I guess the moral of this story is outside of me being consistent in, in this strange behavior of spiraling and anxiety and things I made up in my head is that I told the kid, Julian, the kid who's lent me, who leased me his uh, foam panels propped up by dowels. Who's starting a business. He's a young kid. He's starting a business. He's starting an audio consulting business. And he offered to make me professional panels. And I thought not unlike when I started the old garage, and Laughing Andy from uh, an old radio show that I used to do brought over his foam uh, to help me get started. This guy is starting a business. He's a young guy, and he 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 made me a price. He offered me a a price on on uh, making making nice panels uh, for this uh, that I can move around on the sides and maybe put some up on the wall and the ceiling, and uh, and he said he'd. He'd give me a consultation and install them and everything. And I thought, well, that's the way to do it. I could have ordered from a catalog, but this kid is making a go at it. So I'm going to give him a go. So he's going to make that for me and I'll get those in a a month or so. But I'm going away for a few weeks. So I I gave him that time to do that. He said he he could get it all done by next week. I said, take it easy, pal. If you just leave the ones here that are propped up, you know, the ones with the tape, you know, uh, up until you get the good ones in, I'm good. So that's our agreement, so I'll let you know how that comes out and how that goes. Jason Alexander is a great guy. I'm glad we talked. He's exactly who you think he is, and that's uh, comforting. Uh, As I said earlier, he's going to be doing a live concert with the New Jersey Symphony Orchestra on April 14th and 15th. That's at the New Jersey Performance Arts Center in Newark and State Theater in New Brunswick. For you, get it now wherever you get your podcasts. I, think, you know, that's the weird thing. I, uh, you, you drove up in your whatever that was. That's a Prius Prime. Prius part Prime of the solution. You're probably <laughs> it's a, and relatively Good. new. I've only Good had it uh,
1: about a month.
0: Well, that's it. But that's a that's a that's <laughs> a a, a budget conscious uh, solution uh, doer.
1: I, uh, yeah. Could have bought it it, electric. You didn't
0: want electric? No, you you know why? I,
1: I, I, like most Jews, know that at some point I'm going to have to flee. Right, and the, electri- the electric confidence. doesn't give you enough distance. Sixty so miles is not one, enough. One tank of gas and a full charge that that puppy should go six hundred and fifty <laughs> yeah. miles, which will get me at least in Nevada. Oh yeah, much know? better there. <laughs> yeah,
0: you'll meet the other Jews that are fleeing, <laughs> yeah. and eventually you get to the middle. Because no the- going
1: to target Vegas. That's I right. Mean, come oh, on. Sure,
0: you'll get to the middle of the country. It's going to be nothing but fleeing Jews from both <laughs> coasts going like, "What do we do now?" and right. Like, You're right where they want them.
1: How did all these Jews get to Wisconsin? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and how if-
0: <laughs> they're just going to build a-, a fence around the jews that ran from both coasts that's right oh no you're gonna need a plane buddy Uh, you bet you you're gonna need are you uh, do you know when the timing are you up on the timing like do you know when we go no i don't that's the problem i'm not
1: in the loop yeah who's in the loop well i i i am such a peripheral jew that i'm not even going to get the memo i'm not on the email chain
0: i I know you're fairly public jew i imagine that people uh you know when they they think jew they they're probably an example that not that that (laughs) anti-semites use like for you know
1: you don't know what a jewish that's right <laughs> he, look at this one. bald bastard he <laughs>
0: screams jew <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i hope it doesn't come to that, that is, you know i was panicking though i was panicking at the beginning i'm like i gotta get a new passport bannon's probably got my name on the list i, you know, I was yeah. going nuts at the very beginning yeah and then my girlfriend said like i don't think they're after you and that's a cold comfort you're like yeah you're right you know like <laughs> not yet you know? yeah, i haven't made the list well no no it's I sort of like either. it's probably you know there's a couple other yeah. ethnicities before jews at this particular juncture in history Yeah, he's
1: looking for a Jew. he wants his roy Cohn. <laughs> I'm, I'm going into law school oh yeah right? you're, gonna, you're <laughs> gonna
0: flip sides like hey fuck you know what i mean yeah. i can keep living here really but uh aside from that uh, jews from uh, new jersey i'm genetically jersey yeah uh you are you know full-on jersey like i i only spent the first six years my life in jersey. Oh really? My but my, my I always went back cuz um, the family was always there.
1: <laughs> you are never going to get away.
0: No, but I I've gotten it's true, but yeah. I, I you know I think it's in me deeper than I thought. Both of the parents are from Jersey. Sure. But I I feel like I'm from I feel I'm Jersey. Do I feel Jersey to you? Yeah, I would have I would have said oh this guy feels comfortable. Come, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He, so, <laughs> he feels like he's been
1: through Elizabeth and smelled that I have. fabulous.
0: Aroma. The uh, the, uh, the uh, aroma. <laughs> has it. So what what town did you grow up in? I started. Uh, I, uh, I you started I, is, that how you, is that you talk about when My you're born? Parents, I, I be, started out. I began. <laughs>
1: I played. Uh, I lived two years in Irvington, New Jersey. Then we moved upscale to Maplewood, New Jersey, and then we moved further upscale to Livingston, New Jersey.
0: Now Livingston, I know because that that seemed like there was. It was I I remember the signs. Because my grandmother, like, you go to Livingston. I feel Uh, like, you know, the signs for Livingston. Well, we
1: had a mall. It wasn't Short Hills-esque, but we had a mall. And the reason we were there is my mother was a big muckety-muck. She sort of uh, founded and ran the school of nursing at St. Barnabas Medical Center. Uh Uh-huh. So that's uh, hence uh, Livingston. That's why you were there? Yeah. How many siblings? Uh, A half of each. One of them is deceased. Sorry. That's all right. Thank you. A half of each? Yeah. my, My father was a widower. So I'm my mother's only child. Oh, that's uh, a lot of
0: pressure. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, it is actually. <laughs> they carrying the, you know, being the Messiah is not an
0: easy thing. It's not. She it relied on you a lot. Yeah, had a lot. There's was a lot not. weighing on you. There you know? was
1: a, uh, you yeah. know, actually it was it was great because my, you know, my mother was a career woman at that time, at a time when
0: most women were not.
1: Right. Uh, uh, my mother was the major breadwinner in our house. My father always worked, but yeah, my,
0: my mother was the major breadwinner at, so. at the nursing school. Yeah, teaching.
1: She ran it. She created the curriculum. She ran that. She was the executive director. She was on. Uh, there was. A, I, st- I don't know if it's still around, but there was a national organization of nurses that she was on that board as well. She was a, a big honcho in the. Oh awesome yeah,
0: world. yeah. And did, uh, so she was a nurse her whole life. Whole life. Wow. And yeah. what did your dad do? Uh, he did a, v- a variety of things. One of those. Guys. I, you know, I, with the my variety. dad, I'm never
1: sure how much of the history is dead on accurate and how much of it is urban legend. Is he around? My dad died in 2001. He was 91 years old when he died. Wow. My mom is about to turn 98 this Oh, month. my God. Yeah. Uh, my dad... Uh, it's great congratulations Uh, on the genes thank you I appreciate that Yeah, Uh, my dad uh, as a young man supposedly uh, did some work for the Jewish mob on the lower east side of New York then became a Pinkerton detective I don't know how you make that transition
0: he was a mole he's a rat Uh, I guess he was Um, on the inside
1: he worked for Bell Laboratories during World War II as a project manager although he never had a college education so I'm not quite sure
0: Bell Laboratories for the military? yeah really? yeah And then he,
1: during my lifetime, he was a a transit bus driver from Bayonne, New Jersey into New York, back and forth that route. He was an account manager for a a brush manufacturing company. I mean, he did all kinds. He sold life insurance for New York Life for a while. He was all over the map.
0: It's quite a mythic resume.
1: Yeah. He was was an interesting guy. Well, you know,
0: you got to assume that it's sort of like... It sounds pretty real cuz no one's going to throw in, you know, the bus driver from Bayonne New no, York. No, that
1: I know for a fact. Right. That so was, like yeah.
0: that that part of it that yeah. validates a lot, <laughs> you know. The working for the mob one maybe. Well, the only reason I tend to buy
1: that is yeah. if you look at my Bar Mitzvah photo album. Yeah. You know, the table shots. So you see sure. table juice, table juice, table juice, table juice and you get to one table and you go, "Holy shit, what am I looking at?" And it's a couple of guys I know for a fact, you know, were killed in jail because they Really? They were Yeah, he he my father, Says he wasn't really. He wasn't a collector. He certainly wasn't a violence guy. But he, right. I guess, he had some relations. Hence the the Pinkerton detective. He, drove the he truck. had some relationships with the police precinct down in the Lower East Side of New uh-huh. York. And he used to go in when the guys got arrested. He used to go in and kind of get them out. And oh really? So he was friends with those guys, and he would say, "I you know I was affiliated." And I I don't I think he just kind of knew them. And so he'd go schmooze the cops to let yeah. the guys out. And when I graduated high school, my dad, God bless him. He gave me a piece of paper. When uh-huh. I read, not high school, college. He gave me a piece of paper and he said, "Look, I, you know, I can't give you very much, but there's a phone number here. Yeah, if you ever need anything, anything, you call this number. You tell them you're my kid. Yeah, and be taken care of." And I went are you out of your goddamn mind? you handed me a loaded gun what are you doing
0: what are you doing look you're gonna have to pay for it for the rest of your life <laughs> yeah, right and the exactly. big's pretty heavy but, but he was he was yeah. deadly
1: serious he said you know you need anything this is the this is the phone number." did
0: you so. call no
1: i threw it away you threw it away you bet right then right then after you walked away no i actually i i said dad i can't please don't do this to me what well, would you, you, who'd you it, think it was It was a number for a guy that would do whatever you need. But, you know, you go, I'm Al's kid. And he would go, what do you need? I need this guy killed. I need whatever. I I
0: think your father was assuming that wouldn't be the request. Uh, Make no assumptions with my
1: dad. (laughs) (laughs) Was he a hard guy or not? No, he he was. uh, uh, By the time I came along, he was 50 years old when I was born. Uh. So by the time I came around, he was a pug from the Lower East Side of New York. And and as a young man, he was was always a... uh, an ethical guy. He was a good man. Yeah. But he was a pug. He had a bad temper. and uh-huh. a, But by the time I came around, he had mellowed. Yeah. And uh, I said to my, my half-brother uh, at my dad's funeral, I said, you know, the the reason you and I are so different is not that we had different mothers. We had different fathers. Oh, that interesting. And... Um, you know, my my dad was just a very sweet man, and and so clearly adored me from the minute I was born that I had I had all that.
0: Yeah, you got stuff. you got the good stuff because yeah. you know you you were how most people treat the first grandkid. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Like you That's know right. these other two. Yeah. I did what I could, but yeah. this one going to get all the yeah. good stuff. He was a by the time I came around, he was a pussycat. Uh huh. It happens in your fifties. How old are you? Fifty-eight. And what? Really? Yeah. When did that happen?
1: Yeah. <laughs> And you know the so I'm a September baby like you and yeah. you know I so to me I just started saying fifty eight and I feel like it's half gone yeah by the time I get used to the number it changes again it's going very September
0: fast. one did you research on me
1: uh, no but I know you're a September guy. I think you're a little after I'm I'm the twenty third I'm the twenty seventh there you go so you're Libra too I'm I'm right on the cusp yeah but I am a Libra if, if you go by the descriptions I'm a yeah. Libra than Virgo yeah uh,
0: but but when people ask you do you say Libra
1: no, I say I'm right on the cusp. I'm more. Li- <laughs> I just said it, Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, that,
0: but what does that mean? You, you, can't, you can't
1: be two. Yeah, some charts have me as a Virgo and some have me as a Libra. It oh, depends really? on who's doing the chart.
0: Fuck, do, do, do you put any credence in that? Not as
1: far as uh, you know predicting anything. Yeah. It, it is interesting, and I don't know if you could do this with any other of these pseudo yeah. sciences. But. The generalized descriptions of people that fall into the signs, yeah. I find there is a general accuracy to that, huh. um, and I, I'm not sure why that what,
0: is. What makes us Libras? I'm never quite clear. Is it like, uh,
1: A sense of looking for balance, a, a uh, uh, yeah. preoccupation with justice and injustice. Uh-huh. Um, see, it's uh,
0: now starting to sound like borderline personality yeah.
1: disorders. The yeah. same?
0: For me, it's the <laughs> fact that the symbol is a
1: scale, so my fat ass is constantly reminded <laughs> that I should drop a few
0: that's how you take it that's
1: how i take it so god's little thumb
0: your other siblings which one passed your brother my sister you have sister sister? passed away about three years ago sorry and what you did what did they do what were they like
1: my brother was career military my brother is 20
0: years older than me 20 years
1: older than you yeah so he was uh he was career air force uh for almost 30 years Uh, uh he left the service as a uh lieutenant colonel
0: was your dad's first wife full Jew too? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh
1: and uh and then my brother worked uh, as a uh field investigator for the IRS for several years. <clears throat> and then he did something else I'm not sure what, and then it's been retired for a while. And wow. my sister uh my sister had been ill for most of her life. She had a a, a disease that she and I went to work for called scleroderma. It's in the uh oh, yeah. autoimmune lupus family. Right. Um and but she uh, she had done a lot of things she uh, had worked as an accountant she had taught latin uh, at high school level when that was a thing yeah um you know she for a woman that should have been on disability all her life she she had a pretty active life yeah. to,
0: that's great yeah. all right so when does uh, so you're in jersey you're you're the, the young kid amongst the yeah. i mean your your brothers out of the house already oh
1: yeah i never grew up with my brother my at sister all. was there for 5 years and then she so was so you're two.
0: like the almost the only child
1: i was more or less raised as an only child
0: and what compels you to uh, entertain? Were you a, a child entertainer? Uh, not knowingly.
1: I i was, um, a, a, and people, unless they really know me, they go, come on. <laughs> I was a very shy, very somber, very frightened, cowed, Little kid, really, and uh, I believe that I, I didn't have a lot of friends, and I was kind of a loner. I mean, I had my friend Bruce Davison who lived down the block, and, but but uh, so I'd come home and, like all little kids that feel lost and lonely and scared, uh, I, I discovered magic, and I started trying to do. Well, you had the magic. Box. I had the magic kit, and I got the books, and I you know, and I and I was pretty serious about it, and I thought that it was going to be what I did, never thinking it was performing. Yeah, I just thought, oh, it's it's fun to feel powerful,
0: yeah. right? Um, and know know that there's a trick behind
1: everything, correct? And around uh, when I was twelve or thirteen, we moved from Maplewood to Livingston, yeah. And I didn't know a damn soul in Livingston. And the first kids I met were the theater kids, and at school they pulled me at Livingston High, yeah. Uh, actually, Heritage Middle School and then Livingston High. So, and well, did then, you uh, use
0: the magic to sort of open conversations no, with girls? No, and stuff? girls,
1: Which... we, girls. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> we, please, <laughs> we, you know. Um, <laughs> But it was a girl. I was I my my parents, this we moved there in the summer before I was going to start uh, seventh grade. Yeah, and um, my parents, because they both work, said, we signed you up for the community pool. Which oh. is beautiful, because I weigh about 500 pounds, and, on, were you all, and I'm pasty and white. And, you were you know, always a little heavy? No, I was, I was, I was not, at least 30 pounds overweight But you're two. not. You look good. I'm okay. I'm yeah. right. you not. Know, I, I can get sick and survive. So yeah. uh, that's what my mom, my mother was. <laughs> um, and I'm in the pool, and I don't know a damn soul. And this yeah. gorgeous young girl comes up and goes, hi, you're new. Do you sing? And I went, yeah, kind of. And- um, And she pulled me into this production of Sound of Music that the local teen theater was doing. You're 14 or something? I was 12 or 13. Yeah, yeah. And I met all these kids, and I suddenly had friends and community, and I went, hey, this stage thing is pretty good. I could hide in plain sight. I didn't feel like it was me. When I was performing, I, I was whoever the person was, so that that was kind of cool, and I just liked hanging with these kids. So I started going to the theater in New York a lot and doing all the plays at school. So and it's then, cool, then, like because they but, were
0: misfits, and you know, uh, y- 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 or not misfits, but theater kids are yeah. different. They weren't the coolest kids. No, of yeah. course not. But <laughs> but they would turn on. You know, they they were sort of. Uh, they I think a lot of the theater kids in my memory is is that like they had this capacity to just sort of. Like, live through the parts and sing out loud. Like, they weren't. Oh, sure. It was a lot like glee.
1: Right. (laughs) They weren't effective. Right. No, No, they had no guile. Really. Right. right. You know, some of them. Some of them were manufacturing some attitudes and persona in order to cope, but they they were all... What was nice about the theater kids is they were generally nice guys. They were nice people. Yeah. Um, You know, they weren't out to hurt feeling. There were no bullies in the theater community.
0: Manufacturing uh, attitudes and personas to cope. Yeah. I think I'm still doing that. I think we all are. (laughs) I I think people are seeing through
1: mine at this point. but. (laughs) But I believe you were a shy kid. Why wouldn't you be? Um, I mean, you know, well, you know, it, it was funny. Uh, and I always thought it was very obvious. But I remember when I was in college, uh, I went to Boston University as a theater major. Uh-huh. And I I started dating this girl and uh, who I hadn't really known. And, and we had been together about six weeks, seven weeks. And she goes, you know, everybody at this school thinks you are the cockiest son of a bitch in the world. And I went, you gotta be kidding me I had no idea it was a shock to me she like laid that on you six and weeks I, in yeah and I said I'm I'm scared to death I don't, I don't think I measure up I don't think huh. and she goes oh I know that now but your your cover yeah for your insecurity is kind of this I shock- got this attitude I went I had no idea that was what well, I was that's projecting. like a sense of humor you, you know yeah what I mean? but it was that's why I say when most people so apparently the thing I
0: was I, she breaking up with you when she no no she, oh.
1: we, she was a lovely woman um the thing I seem to project when I am my most uncomfortable, yeah. uh, or, or or just, is this kind of oh man he's l- comfortable in his skin right. and he knows what he can do sure. and nothing could be further from the truth. But so when I tell people that I was a very shy kid and that in fact if you you know if if we were close personal friends people come to my house yeah we we will we'll play games and stuff but i'm like let's have a conversation yeah man. yeah you know there's i think i've lost some of my funnier friends because they go he's not a lot of fun to mm-hmm. hang not out not anymore with.
0: No. well that's well that's the weird thing because like uh, yeah because we're serious I'm kind of serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's that. You know, like uh, the one thing I have to, I've learned over time that I protect the people in my life from, if if I can, mm-hmm. is dragging them down into whatever sad, shitty, sure. neurotic hole that I'm in. Yeah. Because my brain wants to do it all. It, it instinctively. Sure. Absolutely. So I like I got to know when it's happening and know like I'm about to say something that's got absolutely no uh, floor to it. Right. And we're both gonna fall down. <laughs> If I continue. Absolutely. You know that feeling? Yeah. You bet? <laughs> like the we're all gonna die. It's not...
1: I don't yeah. go I don't go to dark places, but I do go to serious places. Uh-huh. You know?
0: Uh and uh Oh yeah, you don't you don't have dread
1: I don't I don't live in dread because you know my life has been so friggin blessed I just yeah. I, it's not attractive to live
0: in dread that's right you um, yeah like, you people are like come on shut up yeah I, it's just not uh, that's true I haven't, yeah. I, I haven't earned a dread at this point I guess so, so. yeah I I I, I guess it, you're not entitled to it no though you know it's it's unseemly Yes. it's, it's still scary though so when did you did you do magic for money? I used to do kids' parties and stuff,
1: and then uh, I totally dropped it, because I realized as a teenager, I wanted to be a close-up magician. I wanted to do cards and coins and that Do you enjoy so. it now? I love magic. And I, I am a member of the Magic Castle, and I actually won an award for uh, I, I was asked to perform there in the early 2000s, because they were having big financial trouble. Uh-huh. And I did a week in the uh, parlor room, which is the mid-sized yeah, performance yeah, yeah. room, and I, I was actually very proud of that act, and uh, the magicians awarded me Parlor Magician of the Year that year. So I, I was very pleased. Um, but I kind of, I gave magic up because I realized when I was a teenager, I was never going to be good enough. And I knew the difference between good enough and not. Yeah. And I loved magic and I loved magicians. And I went, uh, you know, I've got this theater thing. That's an illusion that I can do. And, right. um So I kind of, I was always a hobbyist, but I never, all my aspirations about it went away.
0: When you see that stuff, is your brain automatically going, okay, so now I see what he's saying.
1: So I know the principles for almost all the stuff that I see. Yeah. What I love is with knowing the principles, I don't see the moment. And I go, that's great. Right. Because I love that. I love being full. Yes, I love it. I love it. It makes, <laughs> it
0: makes me so happy to go,
1: I know what you did and I don't know how you did it.
0: You know, some people, <laughs> it's great. It so, is great. I, it's hard to be cynical about it, but I know people are. They, it's like, I think there are Oh, my wife t- hates it. My wife hates magic.
1: Really hates it? Yeah, my wife's, my, my wife's whole attitude about magic, she sums it up to this. There's yeah. a secret. You know it, I don't. You won't tell me. Go fuck yourself. That's her. She feels it's all a power trick. But you trip. just told me you don't know most of it. I know, I don't see so, it. Like, you, I understand is... it. There's right. Most of it I understand. And then there's some things where I go. I don't even know what principle they're using for that right. Answer. Well, that's the real, uh, and yeah. that makes me really happy,
0: right? Because um, yeah. you're actually you you're confounded. Yeah. So oh, you yeah. know you do a card trick on your wife and she goes, yeah, it's my card. Fuck off.
1: As long as <laughs> if I do a trick for her, she immediately goes, all right, tell me. Oh, really? Yeah. And do you? It, for her, I have to, because otherwise it's a, <laughs> it's an argument.
0: So that's the one condition that the Absolutely. oath can be broken. Yeah. To...
1: But Dana doesn't like surprises. Like, you would never throw my wife a surprise party. No. She'd be so pissed. Angry. Yeah. It'd be like, surprise, get the fuck yeah. out of my... She slammed the door on a friend of mine who came cross-country to celebrate her birthday and didn't tell her. It just appeared ha- at the door with a bag of New York bagels, and she went, go fuck yourself, and slammed the door. Really? <laughs> was, what is I that? Mean, she got over no, it. No, sure. It makes her feel unsafe. It's, huh. it's, you know, she's a very organized,
0: right. um, she's okay. not a control
1: freak, but she is an organization freak mm-hmm. she likes to know what's going to happen and be able to plan for it. Sounds like a fine line. And, um, and she feels like her, the people close to her should know that. And, and she don't... forgot for a moment that it came from a good place and you right. know, she reopened the door and got over it. Right, right. But, so but it's the initial quite... reaction was, oh,
0: I hate you for doing this. Right. It wasn't on the schedule. No, it was not on the schedule. Uh, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> what does she do? She's a painter. Oh yeah, I'm dating a, a painter.
1: Ah, abstract,
0: it's interesting. Isn't abstract it? painter.
1: Uh, mine is not abstract. She's figurative, uh, and impressionistic, mm. and feminist,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and and very very good. She's been doing it. She was not doing that when I met her. She was an actress. We've been together forever. We've been together thirty. What's her painting years. name? It's her name. It's Dana, and spelled D-A-E-N-A, mm-hmm. and her last name is Title,
0: like the title of a book. Dana Title. Yeah. Yeah, painter. Like I, I, it's interesting. They they definitely live in their own world. They, you know, they, it's a, it's a very uniquely yeah. solitary thing, but they, you know, they do it. They yes, go to they a do. different place yeah. and being what we are, you know, which is, you know, people primarily driven by charm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you just, all you can do is sit there baffled when they produce something like, how yeah. does where does that? It's also does, a magic trick because I have no artistic ability
1: whatsoever. Mm. And so she shows me the stuff she does and, you know, things look like things and I go, I don't. I don't know how you took three dimensions and made it two and it looks like it's three. I just...
0: Yeah. So she's uh, got you. You can't figure out that trick.
1: No. And also, you know, one of the big um, um, challenges for us is that art, visual art doesn't often speak to me. It it (sighs) feeds her soul. She can look at a painting the way I look at music. Right. And it changes who she is as a person. And I... Don't get it. almost never have that reaction to anything visually and uh and and so i'm i'm less of a man in her eyes
0: well i mean you know have you learned that maybe you just keep that to yourself it's too late (laughs) you blew that one a long time ago years that cat is out of the bag
1: yeah
0: Can't pretend. No, you're an actor. Can't you have the one moment? Just next time you go to the museum, I, I like, learned, it's happening. Yeah, I've learned to speak art a little better, yeah. and
1: I've learned to speak to her art a little uh-huh, bit better. Uh, but like it's. uh
0: Oh, I see that you did the thing with. Yeah, the thing.
1: yeah, yeah, and I, you know, uh, and I, I can talk some of the terms, but I, um, I
0: just felt like there was a lot of fighting around this at some point. I felt it. No, I, not
1: fighting. Disappointment.
0: Oh, geez, which is worse than fighting. that's worse. That's like the <laughs>
1: Jewish <laughs> yeah. curse. Yeah. But I always say, you know, you didn't do this when we met. You changed the rules. You were an actress when I met you, or trying to be an actress when I met you. And we had everything going together. And now you decided this thing. Uh-huh. I never said I was that thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Interesting. Know? But so you guys
0: were together before anything happened? Yeah, we met We met in 1980. We were married in 82. Yeah. So when do you... Okay, so you go to high school, and you do the, the theater kid thing. And then you get into BU, the theater program. Yeah. What year? 77. Uh, 77. So you graduated? I didn't graduate. Oh. I, I finished
1: three years, and I uh, I had been working professionally from the time I was 14. I, fe- I sort of fell into a professional career.
0: What do you mean?
1: I was doing child- uh, uh, a children's theater in in. Livingston or New Jersey wasn't. Livingston. Yeah, and they were doing little original children's musicals.
0: And you did that?
1: I was I was part of that company, and then some dad in the audience one day was a t- TV producer. And yeah. he said this could be a cute little children's series, and he ponied up the money. We all joined AFTRA and we shot a pilot. And he couldn't sell it as a series, but he got the pilot on on local New York television, oh, like a Sunday morning, seven yeah, yeah. thirty or something. Oh yeah. And um, these managers for young people saw it and hunted me down and said, we'd love to rep you. And I went, okay. At 14? At 14. So I started doing commercials and that kind of stuff.
0: At 14, you're doing the commercials. Yeah. Were, you, were you making money, saving up for college? Oh, yeah. So you paid your own college? Most of uh, Half of it. Because of the yeah. commercials? Yeah. Doing all kinds of commercials. Did
1: a lot of commercials. In the 80s, commercials were amazing. I remember in the 1984 Olympics, I was doing a play on Broadway, a musical on Broadway. And the Olympics was that summer and they went to a commercial break and there was like you know i don't know 8 to 10 commercials back to back i was in four of them oh and you went, were like that went, guy
0: uh oh <laughs> they're on to me now <laughs> right well they are
1: overexposed
0: but that happens with commercials <clears throat> you see like well that guy's in all of them right yeah. now and that's it was not good and actually then it
1: it, it tamped down for a while but well, I, commercials so I, were great
0: i watched the uh, mcdlt commercial thing. yeah
1: yeah i have the only mcdonald's product that didn't go even the mcrib comes back i think you were but, too excited about it I was excited as they told me to be.
0: <laughs> I like I cuz I said that my producer he says you should watch it and I watched it and I'm like that didn't really hang around that long. No, I don't remember. It was it, it.
1: it was Amy um the product was not a bad idea. So what the McDLT was is that you know they had a two container sure. container. Yeah. And the idea was that the the, the vegetable right. material would be yeah. on one bun on one side and the Stay hamburger would be on the other and it would it, right. it wouldn't all right. The, that worked as long as you built it level, you know, on the ho- on the horizontal plane and yeah. put it in the bag that way and right. carried it out that way. Yeah. But the minute you put the thing in the bag on, right. the, on the vertical, right. everything in the top fell to the bottom. They weren't sealed separate compartments. Uh, and it just, it was a mess. So people would open the box and they'd have just this this salad of hamburger.
0: I was, also think that nobody wants to see the meat of a mcdonald's hamburger it's my belief <laughs> you may be right that like you know you just keep it covered right. Yep. you know it's like i know that that can't yeah, be good yep. meat yep 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 it's mcdonald's yep you're just hoping it's meat yeah 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 so no you don't uh, see all that meat. Uh, it was
1: a it was a product that just would not catch yeah. at all and, and you, uh,
0: God, you danced you
1: danced the hell out of that product <laughs> But the crazy thing is is that <laughs> behind me in that mob yeah. are some of Broadway's best dancers at the time and I have never been accused of being a dancer, but somehow they you put me in the it. foreground. I, I was an actor who moves and I've I've done in my Broadway career I did more than my fair share of dancing.
0: I like it. I I'm not mocking it. it. I just thought it was interesting that, you know, you are obviously directed to really be excited about that. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And that 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 all of that just couldn't do yes. it. Yes. And those outfits. I also, and- if you look
1: at it, I have a Trump at the airplane moment at the very end, because my hair was already quite thin. And at the very end, there's a gust of wind. And <laughs> what looks like a full head of hair on the top <laughs> yeah. suddenly is revealed to be Oh, flips back. He's, he's, he's becoming a and monk very quickly. They
0: left it and That was the best take. Oh, my so. God. So all right, so you go to BU, which is a good theater school. Yeah, and was, was it then? Like, because when I was yeah, there, it was considered. I, uh, it was
1: in the there was a little of got, theater 82. schools. 82. Yeah. Eighty-two, I got there.
0: Yeah, um, it's still
1: considered one of the, the, the yeah. better uh, college programs. What was like Julianne
0: Moore there when you were there?
1: She was Julianne was two, one or two years behind me. Uh-huh. Mike Chicklas was there.
0: Yeah, uh, Gina Davis her. was there. Right. Nina Tassler
1: was there. Jerry Levine was there. And
0: uh, and you didn't see Julianne when you were there? I did. You did? Yeah,
1: she was Julie Smith then. Uh-huh. Um, and she was, the person she is now is exactly the person she was then. She was as sweet and kind and lovely. Did you see her early stuff there? Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was two years behind me, and the the freshmen were not allowed to do the big shows. Uh-huh. So I may have seen her in a scene here and a scene there, and then I didn't do my senior year, which is when she would have started to be cast. So,
0: but like, what did you learn there? How you just bailed on your senior year? Why? Because you got I didn't bail. bail. You had... I
1: did a movie. What uh, movie? Oh my god. What do you want? It's one of these horrible movies. It was a movie. It was Harvey Weinstein's first movie. Uh-huh. It was a little horror film a la uh, Friday the 13th called The Burning. Uh-huh. Summer camp terrorized Weinstein's
0: by first movie. So you knew him at the beginning. It, 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 I was aware of him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't say I knew him. We didn't right. hang. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, he was um, just a producer. He was a producer. Of, I think Harvey and his brother were concert promoters in Buffalo, New York right. at the time. And yeah. They, wanted to get into this and i and as far as i know it was their first film and it ran late it went late so i didn't get back to school in time to start the last year and i was going to take one semester off uh and i uh i got a very good gig in new york and i decided to stay and do that and then gig led to gig and i
0: never got back what were you learning there? Did what? Walking and talking. were you prepared? Yeah. Um, I mean, did you feel like you know, like all right, you got the movies. Who's the guy that I took a class with up there? Was his name Bill Young? I think oh, Bill, Bill Young. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I was, I went to be, but I was not. I did stage troupe, but I, I took mm-hmm. class, took yep. a class up there perspective.
1: That was, an that was you, you did it the right way.
0: Yeah, because I thought it was a whole yeah, I thought they were really trying to be like a complete program like Yale. They you, are. Like, I you in. know,
1: I do a lot of teaching these days and I teach you do? a lot of I go around do master classes at universities In acting? Yeah. And I honestly don't believe that the best training for anyone in the arts is at a college. And not because they don't have good teachers and not because they don't have good curriculum. Uh-huh. But by the very nature of a college program, they're on a schedule. And artists learn a, a, a craft right. in the time it takes them to learn it. Yeah. But the college needs you to go on to the next thing. Right. So you find that you are burning through ideas before you really grok
0: them. But this is the, with anything in college. That's correct. Unless Anything doing, in the arts. It, right. Unless you're doing something, yeah. even English. Unless you're doing something yeah. like engineering or something. Right. Like, if it's math and science, you kind of have a
1: barometer for you need to know this before you can Yeah. Because that.
0: Yeah, because that's why everybody says, I wish I'd go to college now. Right. If, if I, I were to approved. go
1: again, so my, my older son who's in, the, who's in this business, he went to Yale. And he went as a theater major, but that's not a conservatory program. So he actually got an education. He got a great education. What does that mean, it's not a conservatory? So all I studied at BU, because it's a conservatory style program, I is I was doing movement, vocal production, acting technique, history of the theater, and stagecraft. And I had like one or two electives
0: every oh, so semester. Yeah, that's right. You guys had to take like an elective in right. liberal but arts.
1: All my, I had no math or science requirements. I had no language requirements. I did not need to get a... a you know. Um, a a real education of any kind. I was solely focused on the craft that I was studying. Yeah, yeah. I don't think doing that at a college, I wouldn't recommend it (laughs) for my kids. Well,
0: yeah, because like what if you get out and the odds are against you. Well, that's
1: true no matter where you study. but No, no,
0: but I mean, but that's what I mean is that like, you know, at least with a little, a few other things... Yes, You're a right. Well rounded, right. So when you get out and you can't get a job in the theater, you don't go apply it in restaurants, exactly. showing them your swordsmanship. And even in the theater
1: programs, they, you know, the whole notion right now, and this is, a, I'm on the dean's advisory board for BU for this college, and the thing we keep talking about is even the the name, College of Theater. Yeah. Go you know, right. No actor is making their living solely in the theater, so. This is a misnomer. It should be the College of Performing Art because you need to understand film. You need to understand they television. change you, right? You need to, not yet. <laughs> all right? Not yet. It is still a a, a hyper focused. Um, uh, and it's not just Boston University. It's all of these guys. But so
0: so wait. They don't teach like you're saying that they should. There is the no great
1: business of the theater. There is no other business. medium. There's not a real immersion to other medium. There's no idea. I came out of college. I didn't know. If I wanted to put up a play, yeah. If I wanted to take a space and put up a play, I didn't know how to budget it. Right. I didn't know what a stage manager So There should does. be a, like that know, option. Of Production. Course. It should be Production. an immersion. You want to if you're going to teach a performing art. Yeah. Yes, you have to teach the technical right. of, of the trade, but you also, you got to teach people to go out and be entrepreneurs. they got to be able to do the business I, of this craft. Well, don't
0: you know how that happens the way, the old school way is you go out, you fail as an actor, uh-huh. and you like, I kind of like this world though, right. and then you go talk to the guy, the director. But you go much talk like to you're the doing
1: here, I mean, when Howard Stern graduated BU, there was no such thing as a podcast. He had to get a job in somebody's radio station or he was out of work. Now, there's no reason an actor can't work every day, but they got to know how to make their own stuff they have to know how to develop material and put things together i think so i guess guess so
0: it is but you know in some ways you know you can get deluded, you know in the sense that like there's something about taking your hits and i think that you know self-producing you know at a certain level you think you're doing something well you you are doing
1: something even if you fail you're doing something yeah
0: but but how do you know if you succeed or fail i'm saying like anyone can put something out into the world right How does it get traction? What does it mean? What the hell difference does
1: that's the big challenge? How do you make money? Brave new world is that? How do you monetize what we do? What barometer is success? But but I know more actors that sat around that are gone now. They don't they don't work. They're out of our business. Why? Because they had nothing in their quiver other than to sit around with their talent and hope to Christ that somebody threw a job or an opportunity at them because they couldn't. Were they talented? Oh, yeah. I went to school with some people that, you know, you've never heard of that sure. I thought were some of the most yeah, no, talented people I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I've known guys like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but like, yeah. you know, what, what about the... the that, Isn't there a natural sort of uh, thinning of the herd? Sure, yeah. That, you know, they, I think one of the things that we see now is that there are more opportunities if you can find them. Yes. But some people are just not cut out for this shit. That's absolutely right. <laughs> That's true. But... but I'd love to see
1: what I think is exciting about these times is that is that if you if you are willing to try and create your own opportunity, you can. When I was a kid, you really couldn't. The, right, the right. Means, you needed, there were gatekeepers. The means of doing it sure. were too, too tough. There's,
0: but all that stuff is still there. And the, and the level of, it is true, it's, it's determining what what is success you know yep. you're know, making a living absolutely is is important you, yep. you know and you know it's hard to say that like even something like w- would in the in the media landscape we live in now would a seinfeld ever even happen again never it, would, it just won't
1: well we wouldn't have survived we we were right. so not a hit we weren't produ- i mean from my understanding we weren't producing enough of an audience the only reason we kind of kept going is that the audience we were getting was the demographic that it was very hard to get it was guys you know 18 sure. to 35 right. so advertisers would throw some coins at us but right. we had no we we did not have an audience that would have sustained a tv show in that day and age or
0: this day and age so. right yeah and now because there's so many different there's so, like there's so many great shows on you like where Absolutely. is it well, i don't even know where that is what is it called what's it on yeah. But like, what do you teach? What, so what's the structure when you say you go out and so teach? So when I, when I left
1: college, I mean, I all every school does a very fine job of introducing um, theater students to the tools of the craft, which I didn't even know existed when I went in. I thought you just memorize the lines and pretend to be the actor you thought would be good in the role. But that you, was my idea of
0: acting. Did you learn the tools? I did. And did they you? So they introduced
1: me to the tools. But what they didn't do, and, and might have gone further had I done my final year, but they. So if you teach you mean me, You might have
0: done, had a better career. I might have. You, I you, might have done a yeah, little bit better.
1: If, you, <laughs> um, if, if I, I always say I use this analogy. So yeah. if, I te- if you know nothing about construction, I show you how to use a hammer. I show right. you how to use a drill. I show you how to use a saw. I show yeah. you how to use the tools. Yeah. The tools. This is right. how a saw works. Right. This is don't how a works. Yourself. And now I say, okay, go build a house. Right. You don't know how to build a house. Yeah. You don't have a. You don't have a methodology to use those tools to create something. Yeah. So when I left school and I started finding different teachers looking for that clarity it took me a couple of years and then I met uh, Larry Moss and I studied with out Larry. here yeah actually I met Larry in New York and then uh, I studied with him several years there and then he moved here and when I got here I resumed study with Larry and I did, I did about 12 years with Larry on and off. One-on-one? Class? No, no, no. Scene Class. Study? class. Uh, Larry, among having his own students, used to teach at Circle in the Square in New York, and that's okay. where my wife met him, uh-huh. sang his praises to, the, to uh-huh. the sun and the stars. And I did a, a little workshop in New York when I, you know, like I was two years out of school. Yeah. And he had two students in it who I thought were spectacular, and he came to a performance and he said, came right up to me afterwards and went, you're very good, but I can make you much better. Oh, yeah? And uh, and so I, I joined with him. But Larry... Uh, Larry introduced me to a methodology that I could understand to plug those tools in. Right. And that's basically what I teach. I've built on what what he gave me and some things that I've discovered along the way. And I I go to actors that go, I know all the, but if I say to an actor, okay, I give you a piece of material, How how do you do what you do? And they go well. I kind of, and most actors, that's the answer. I kind of this, I kind of that. It's a little bit instinctual. I never do the Ask same me, thing. Ask me because I'm acting now. Okay. I, I so wanna, what
0: do you do? Well, I, I read the script. Yeah, that's. I good. read the material. Yeah. Uh, I, I I start to uh, you know I, I say the lines out loud. Uh-huh. I read them out loud a little uh-huh. bit. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll decide. I'll, I'll make some choices how, in the how? reading. How do you do that? Well, how do I read the lines or no, how, how I do make you make the, the choices? choices? Well, from reading out loud, I can try to understand how it's being said and what I can do to, you know, make it my own. Uh huh. Right, and then uh, I'll I'll start memorizing. Uh huh. And then uh, and then I got to wait till the other guy comes to move around in it. Uh huh. Yeah,
1: that's what most actors do.
0: Yeah, what, and, how, and part
1: of that actually is is you know, unavoidable. You're right. going to do that. Well, no I right. don't. I don't have
0: much training, so <laughs> uh, take me to the next level.
1: So what actors have to make choices about is. Um, you're you're carefully and selectively building the illusion that somehow you are this person inhabiting these circumstances in this world. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I talk about, I have actors come in and they start with monologues. Yeah. And in a monologue, they're talking to somebody. I go, who are you talking to? Yeah. They go what? I go. Who are you talking <laughs> to?
0: If <laughs> you. you have not talking to you.
1: I mean, it's one thing to feel the words uh-huh. and feel the material, which is right. part of what you're talking about. You get into a space, either here or somewhere, and you start to say the words out loud, and you see how you they affect you, and you affect them. Okay, but I know who I'm talking to. I'm on a show, so like I know the other people. You know the idea of who you're talking yeah. to. Yeah, but you don't know what they're going to do. You don't know who they are. You haven't. So, for
0: instance, if I, I do because I'm I'm doing I'm on a show, but like you're saying in the monologue.
1: Yeah. yeah. But even even so, what I love are. But like when you read a Seinfeld
0: that, script yeah. and it says Jerry on there, yeah. you know what's going to happen. But who is Jerry to George? A friend. What does that mean? Why are friends friends? Uh huh.
1: Well, what so- makes a friend a friend? What do you get from a friend? that makes them a friend. And on Seinfeld, it's going to be the exact opposite of anything you answer. Uh-huh. Because mostly we're friends with people who we have a natural simpatico with. Sure. Our ethics, our ideas, our creativity, yeah. are. they line up. Right. I feel um, somehow appreciated by that person. Right. Uh, 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 you know, There are all kinds of reasons friends are friends. So- for an actor, specifics are your best friend. Specifics. Mm-hmm. What? The more you can go, I specifically have this, I specifically have this, the deeper and richer your work goes. I see. So when you have an actor that comes in, he's doing Hamlet. He's yeah. doing a scene between Hamlet and Gertrude, his mother. Right. And I go, who are you talking to? And he goes, well, the character's talking to his mother. I go, uh-huh. But the character doesn't exist. This is somebody's idea on a piece of paper. You're a real person pretending to be this person. Yeah. So are you talking to Hamlet's mother? Because she doesn't exist either. So who are you talking to? Uh-huh. And, and now they the have right to, answer? The, the answer is, what is the relationship between Hamlet and his mother? Right. Is it, in some productions, it's an incestuous relationship in his mind. In some productions, it's a hateful relationship. In some productions, it's a lost relationship relationship where yeah. he, he so you have to decide who hamlet's mother is to hamlet and then in order to explore that in order to say those words out loud in a way that is guaranteed to affect you you have to create a mother right it has to be and when people say well i used my mother i go "Well, what does that mean how many roles does your mother play in your life <laughs> which mother are you talking to and so everybody goes and then they say i have a
0: very complicated relationship yeah, it's, with my mother. it's
1: everybody believes it is simple and it can't and ultimately all this complexity is to get back to something very very simple and organic and instinctual but But most actors that's the groundwork and most actors and by the way good actors great actors better actors than me a lot of them are just instinctual they don't know how they do what they're doing they just feel it they get there you're okay with that but i do theater right and i gotta tell you at six months in on a thursday night i ain't feeling shit (laughs) So I better have some technique behind me in order to create this illusion for the audience that something's happening there. That's what it's for. Yeah. And it's, this it... is something that really affects theater actors more than film actors, because film actors have to get there once. Yeah, Theater actors have to get there over and over and over and over. And I was, my I, I was trained for, and all my fantasies of a career were about being a theater actor. And all this other stuff was just gravy and icing on the cake.
0: That's what you wanted. That's all I imagined.
1: I I thought if if God was good to me, I would somehow wind up working in the New York theater. That was my fantasy of success.
0: but But movies
1: were not part of it. I didn't think about them uh-huh i i didn't think i would well, be why, why do you love theater guy. so much who wh- wh- what because would... i was always excited whenever i went to the th- well first of all that's how i became an actor i got pulled into this theater company
0: i know but then you go but do you go you go see theater and you'd be just absolutely a- Astounded.
1: i love the greatest nights of my life have been nights spent either on the stage or in the audience of a of a stage
0: yeah yeah
1: i love it i love it because again my thing is magic. Magic gets me off. That is the most exciting illusion in the world. Nothing on that stage is real. What's the Nothing. Best... Yeah. And yet you suspend all people sit in a magic show and go, Yeah, he didn't saw a woman and yeah, yeah. Nobody goes, Oh, come on, he wasn't her father. Yeah. They don't do that. Yeah, that's you not know? a real apartment. So it's it's a it's a very exciting illusion that you can really get people to invest in, but you have to do it well. And everybody has to do it well at the same time.
0: But you know as you became more professional the the thrill was not losing yourself it was doing the job right I mean or do you still you, you... the
1: the thrill was the detective um, you know, case of who is this person? What is this event? How do I building get there? the character? Yeah, and then that, and then that then. I went from I hate rehearsing. I can't wait to perform because I so desperately needed the affirmation. Right to I could, which is why I try now to do more directing than acting because I don't really I don't crave or need the applause. I love the discovery process
0: and to be part of the ensemble. Yeah, and working with an ensemble. Yeah, one with it. What were some of the the like mind blowing? Uh, kind of things that really, you know, kept you excited about theater. If you're going to so much theater at that time when you're younger, like you must have seen a lot of great stuff in New York. I saw a lot of great. I saw a lot of terrible. Sure, but like, were there performances where you're like, "Holy shit!" The performance that made me go, "I have to do
1: this." Yeah, was Ben Vereen and Pippin.
0: Really? Yeah. Huh.
1: And I'm not alone in that. I've I, um, I've known Ben. Um, I, I we're not friends but i've right. been at things with him and gotten to chat with him and um and a lot of people had that experience he, he was so extraordinary in that piece and uh-huh. it was so theatrical and so magical and so charismatic that it made a lot of people go i have to try and do that
0: yeah um
1: and it stayed with me i know his readings i know his i mean you know I, that that performance is that was it in my mind uh but i saw i mean i saw amazing things i saw anthony hopkins do equus on broadway um, uh, yeah uh I,
0: I saw malkovich and burn this burn absolutely with was, that with that three page rant that he yeah. comes on with and you that know, wig and he couldn't long, find a parking space hair. yeah
1: i mean it's those it's those things that just go oh my god i was here when that happened and it's living and breathing right in front of me. And even the, the... I love musicals. And I know there are people that genetically just hate musicals.
0: I genetically... Uh, like, uh, I'm i a repressed musical lover. Uh-huh. Like, I don't seek them out. But when I go, I'm always like, oh, uh, I love them.
1: I get crazy. I love them. love them. When they're good.
0: I, yeah. There's something, right? It's like magic. As soon as people start singing, I get all teared up. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I do not know what it is about many people singing on a stage. Because there's
1: something about... Uh, you know, we as a creature raise our voice in song at the heightened moments of our lives. They're either celebratory or they are at our deepest despair. That's when we sing. Really? And so I think the the act of lifting into music just, whether you are aware of it Ryan or not, Wright, you, you, it taps you taps into tap that. into that. Where'd you earn that? Life.
0: <laughs> observation <laughs> that sounds like a study certainly not in college they didn't right. teach me that in my so uh d- now why you did it looks like you before seinfeld i don't i don't know what your timeline is but you were on stage constantly in new york i had my... You're like a broadway guy Yeah.
1: so seinfeld happened around 1990 and i came out of college in 1980 and i spent the 80s primarily doing broadway and off-broadway and commercials
0: yeah, and with a little, little bit
1: of a, a tiny film or a tiny TV thing here and there.
0: Right, but you were you were and you were
1: content, extremely. I never thought I'd. I, I didn't think life could get better because
0: you were on stage all the
1: time. I was I was a working theater actor in New York City, making a fine live. I was putting money in the bank every year. My wife and I lived great, and I I didn't think anything beyond and you I had the craft blessed. in
0: place that would enable you six months in. i was
1: getting it i mean you know i was still i i i mean I think I it's still a, learning but i but in the 80s i was really putting pieces together but in, i think that's important
0: way. what you said because i just talked to somebody else about that about that specific thing about maybe it was tracy Letts, about about you know like six months in where you you, you know when you got nothing but you got to do it that's the Absolutely. job you know that's yeah. a hell of a thing to know yeah you know, you know it as a. I know it as a comic too. That like, you know, I, you know, I've dragged some audiences down the garbage <laughs> hole. <laughs> yeah. After a certain point, when people are coming to see you, right, that you've gone, to, you know, save that for your own head. Yeah, you bet. You earn it, but uh, but so you're doing that, and then. And then you do this other thing. This like world-changing uh, thing. For there were a three, there
1: were three things that happened back to back and it changed my life. One was winning the Tony award in 1989 for a show that I had no idea would even put me in the running for such a thing cuz I, I didn't really it was a it was a dance review mm. and I and I was an actor yeah. in a dance review but right. it it was flashy enough and it and it got me a Tony. Somehow Which one? uh it was called jerome robbins broadway yeah it was a big celebration of jerome robbins and you were singing and dancing i was singing and dancing and playing a bunch of characters um so won the tony and then somehow that put me in gary marshall's purview and i got pretty woman oh yeah and the gary marshall to rob reiner to jerry seinfeld connection began to get me because oh, reiner
0: was a partner at castle rock right and and rob was married to penny at that point right so, oh wow and then and then Glenn, what's his name at Castle Rock? What was Glenn's name? Padnick. Padnick. Yeah. Glenn Padnick. Yeah. Just, I had a weird meeting with Glenn Padnick after Seinfeld. I, uh-huh. I was coming in pitching something, and he just couldn't be more thrilled about how it went with Seinfeld. So, oh, yeah. He, you know, I'm, like, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, they were right. all still in shock. They <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah, like, whatever I was pitching. Yeah, what was, is this,
1: 2018? They're yeah. still going, I can't believe we did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so
0: I'm whatever sure. I was pitching was like, let me tell you, <laughs> with Seinfeld, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, but okay, so all those things happen. Yeah, and and then everything it, it changes, right? So then you're yeah. you're Costanza for a decade. Yeah, and you love it.
1: Yeah, for the most part, I uh, the time I was there, um, I got a little cranky with it in the last two years. When when Larry David left after season seven. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like the best of George went with him because, you know, Larry, that was the alter yeah. ego he was writing. And I, I, and the writing staff at that point, all unbelievably talented guys who have gone on to huge careers. Yeah. But I felt like they didn't quite understand George to the depth that Larry did. So it, it wasn't, it, the stories were a little less interesting to me. Yeah um but that may have just been the fatigue of you doing this gig for it's been nine years you know so
0: right and that's where i guess that that theater craft had to come in
1: yeah but 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 the doing of the show was always a joy right uh, you know live being there. well not even that but just the, just being there for the week and playing right. with everybody and right. figuring out what the what the show was going to be and you know we the, the great thing about doing that show was it was just we would go and laugh. We would yeah. just go down and laugh and try and put this thing together. Yeah. Then other people would laugh and we'd go home and get a check. It just—it made no sense, As, right. a, as a job,
0: um, there's a lot of work though. Come on, once you're shooting, no, I mean, some of those shows. were I, big. I swear
1: to you, I, I wish I could say to you, "Oh, what a grind!" It was not, uh, you know. After, it, it wasn't for Julia and Michael and I. It, yeah. I'm sure it was for Jerry because he wore fifty hats on that show. But we we went from a five day week to a four day week. Two of those days were less than eight hours, and yeah. sometimes by a long shot, less than eight hours. And then two longer days, but it was we were having a f- we were having fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, sure, it, sure. It Nothing about it, it was hard. We weren't, and it was just out in a, in a hot day. sun, laying tar. I you're mean, on was, a, and you're <laughs> on a set too, which is a big. We were mostly on a soundstage yeah. or, or on our back lot. Right. It, it was just. It was a very. It was a gift. Yeah, it was just yeah. a gift that job. And you moved out here to be right. You, I moved out, we started in 90, and in 92, my wife and I got pregnant. We had been going back and forth, and I went, I don't think we're going to, I mean, with yeah. the kid, we, and so we, we were not a sure thing by any stretch of the imagination yet, but I went, let's roll the dice, and we let our New York apartment go, and we bought it. Wow, a, you didn't even place, save it, huh?
0: No, well, we didn't own
1: it. <laughs> we oh. Couldn't, uh, oh, right, right.
0: But even if it was a rent control?
1: we couldn't you know what it was we we had the upper two floors of a three-story townhouse yeah and so it was just the the people that owned it and us so we couldn't sublet it yeah and we couldn't put a place it was it was not expensive if you live there but when you're carrying two rents yeah uh,
0: it was it was more than we could bear so sure sure so so you come out here and you do it you do it for a decade basically yeah were you ready but no but were you ready for it to end yeah
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Jerry tells the story the same way. I mean, ultimately, everything was his decision. But starting around season six, yeah. uh, at the Christmas break, he'd you know we'd all sit down. The four of us would sit down. and He goes, "What do you think? We got more in us?" And we go, "Yeah, yeah." And season nine, season eight, we kind of went, mm, "Yeah." <laughs> and season nine, you know, it had, we didn't go into nine knowing it was going to be the end. Yeah, it was an inkling, but around Christmas, he went. I'm thinking we're done, guys, and none of us went. Oh no, oh, no, no. We all went. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, not because it wasn't funny. I mean, the sure. writers were glorious. They could have yeah. been funny forever. Why do you? You couldn't go? surprise anybody yeah. anymore. You know, right. you know what these characters sure. are going to do. Uh, what do we? What do we do? Yeah. Stretching I, I, you'd have to ask Larry ultimately why he left. I think, it was always, you know, we, we laugh at how, Larry couldn't handle the success of it but he always from my understanding he always saw the doing of Seinfeld as a very stressful thing I mean it was if it broke it it was going to be him and Jerry that broke it but I think he took more of that responsibility and we would finish every taping you know he's got a whole season arc laid out on a on a whiteboard somewhere but we'd finish every taping and you go, it can't be done again. That's it. It can't be done. And he would, <laughs> you know, like like they had no idea for next week. And you, yeah. not only do right. you have an idea, you got a draft. I right. I mean, it's, but he would feel that that pressure very acutely. And, and I think after seven years and the money he'd made, he went, I can't do this anymore. Right, right. And, J- and Jerry felt like he had a little more left.
0: And it's so, it's interesting to me that like, you know, after you do this, like you go on, you do movies, you do animated movies, yeah. you do, you, you, uh, you do a, a series of your own briefly, mm-hmm. and you did, you did. You just kept working.
1: Yeah, by that point, I had I had started to believe because I always believed when Seinfeld started to hit, I went, "Oh, I'm done, I'm done." Yeah. Because at, at that point, historically, if you were on a hit TV show and you played an iconic character
0: forever, yeah, I was are you in it. Do?
1: You were done. You weren't invited to the party anymore. So I said, "I better start diversifying and maybe trying to start a few things." So I started doing. Um, uh, a lot of solo. I started doing uh, because I was a singer. I could do symphony shows with pop orchestras. I started doing that. That's right. Yeah. I started doing um, a lot of uh, corporate hosting gigs where it was light stand-up, because I was never stand up. but right. I could. My writing partner and I could come up with just enough of that. But what and,
0: was that? So that was. So this was just to. to was it to earn a living? You were just it was, trying. It was more to
1: do stuff. I didn't. More, I was. I was. Uh, Forty. You, you when weren't. Seinfeld. No, I wasn't quite ready to. Sure. You know buy a boat and go sell so uh and i had been i had fell into a production company deal uh uh, from a movie so i had a production company for 10 years we were always developing tv and film and i just never had a lot of clout and i wasn't i think ultimately i wasn't very good at it i was good at part of the job but not all the job Uh uh-huh um and my tv series you know so the first one out after seinfeld was this thing bob patterson which right. is a show that i will go to my grave going good show yeah, worthy yeah. show right um there were a couple things on it that i think if we had done a second season we would have figured it out and uh-huh. fixed but uh, if i go back and look at them i they're funny it was a real unique idea we went on the air days after 9-11. Oh, yeah. Um, nobody was laughing. No. We were up against Tough Fraser. audience. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of things structurally going against us. And um, one of the things that I've never been fortunate to have since Seinfeld was, a, you know, a, a bulletproof part of the team. A guy who was much higher up the food chain than me. I was always hovering near the top of the food chain on the product. Yeah. And I was not strong enough (laughs) to have that role. Right. Um, So when the going got tough, I didn't have the experience to know how to fix it or play the politics or whatever was needed. And so they would ultimately crash. Oh,
0: to get a series over the top,
1: to keep it going. You yeah. know, when the, part of it is just creative, right? <clears throat> and part of it is is kind of knowing how to play the game. Who's who's repping
0: you? How do you? Oh, pull right. right. How together? do you get your agent to muscle yeah. the uh, and I just, producer? I, to... I
1: didn't. I'm I'm still a dummy about that. stuff. I'm
0: a dummy too. But is that you? You? you but that, that doesn't seem to be a foolproof thing. You no, know, it's just
1: helpful. It can sure. it can get you over a hump. And I felt like with Bob Patterson, we hit a hump. And if we could have gotten over it, I think we would have been okay, but we could not get Didn't it. Didn't
0: have enough people at bat for you.
1: No. And we we had a tough situation. Nobody's fault. But we had two competing studios co-producing that show. So, oh, yeah. It's and you go, people, who, yeah. who am I? I'm getting notes from everybody. Who do yeah, I listen yeah. to? I, right. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. And we were on ABC. And at the time, ABC had two presidents. Yeah. And one of them kind of liked us, and I think the other one really, really didn't kind of like us. Yeah, and so there was an internal conflict there, and it, it just everything about it was not set up for success. But, yeah,
0: that's well, that's the one thing that people don't always realize is that you know you have your thing, but then no one knows like what the fuck is going on on a corporate level. Who Absolutely. just left? Yeah. Who who's coming in? You know who who do they like? Who they not like? Absolutely. You know it's not just as easy as like yeah, it's know, not ra-
1: all. It's not just oh it's a really funny show and I yeah, like these or guys. Or yeah, there's or, a lot more going on. Yeah, or and, even and, and that was the part that I. Did did not
0: know or right. did not
1: understand.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a heartbreaking part right? when you like yeah. which is sort of the in the sense that what you're talking about teaching younger people today about taking more control over their stuff, yeah, is that you, you usually don't have it. Yeah. That's right. And I mean. and you know, you no matter how big you were, or how big an actor you are, or whatever, if you can't sell a million tickets, then you still gotta be like, We well, I gotta do that, I gotta wear that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want us right. to do what? Yep. Yeah, that but that didn't work. All right, okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah. And now, when you do all these other parts, where you do like two episodes here, little episode arcs, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, guest uh, uh, characters, mm-hmm. do you do it because you love it?
1: Yeah, it's a combination. I, I try not to do something where I'm not attracted to yeah, the yeah. piece or, right. the, or the people right. doing it. Um, but sometimes, I, I mean, there's nothing you do for the money anymore. Thank you, Jerry and God. Yeah. Um, or. Could be the same person for Elena. Uh, <laughs> Don't tell him that. But uh, <laughs> but you do like to you, you like to go. I want to make sure I still know how to do this. Right? Uh, I, you know so. It, it, I'd rather work than not work Right given the choice sure. Yeah I don't want to do something that I don't believe has any merit <clears throat> You know if you have a little reputation and you do something you're kind of saying to the audience I think you're going to like this Yeah I never want to not be thinking that <laughs> when right. I go in Right So I get a little picky with that um, But generally I like to work I like to work with uh, younger folks and see what what's on their mind and mm-hmm. what's going mm-hmm. on And um, but generally, if somebody uh, who I respect is doing something and and it's being done with integrity, and they invite me on board, I, I generally will go.
0: Yeah, and do you are you uh, do you do you seek movies?
1: I don't think anybody in our business doesn't seek movies. Sure. I don't think they're looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if the recent Oscars, I, I have had nothing in contention. <laughs> Uh, for about 10 years. So. Yeah. yeah. I guess it gets hard. I guess, it, you know, it's like... It's I never thought I was a movie guy. I, yeah. I find that people in movies... Um, my stock and trade is I'm kind of an everyman. Yeah. I remind everybody of somebody. Yeah. Um, I find that movies are populated by people that really have a very distinctive... Uh, they walk on the screen, you go, got it. Yeah. Got it. And I'm not that. <laughs> movie guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it may be a combination of... Uh, they don't want George. And that is a thing for some of them. They don't want an iconic, recognizable thing. Um, Or they may not think, you know... Yeah,
0: but it's weird. You know, I can separate you from George now sitting here talking to you. I I imagine that that's a relief, isn't it?
1: It it is. (laughs) Um, You know, I also say, you know... The audience doesn't watch Tom Hanks as Sully Stolenberger and go, oh, Forrest Gump. Yeah. You know, really, it's not a thing. But the, um, the, It
0: is odd that some people can completely transcend uh, iconic roles on television. I know. And, but it's it's not many. No. It's just but really, it's, it's I, wild.
1: I have, you know, I have nothing on it. The, the truth is, I, loved, I have loved doing movies on a couple of occasions where I've been the director. Yeah. I find every minute of it exciting. Yeah. Yeah. As an actor, I find many of the minutes not so <laughs> exciting. Um, you know,
0: oh guys, I, I, a lot of minutes.
1: It's a lot of minutes, <laughs> and you're always hot or cold or tired or the trailer's you know, not great. It, yeah, or you're uh, you, you're not home, and you, oh, yeah, it's yeah. You got a lot I, you know, of time. I, I, I tip my time. hat to the movie people because it's it's, yeah. it's a, you're out of your life. Yeah, uh, and it's hard. It's yeah. a hard existence.
0: Now, what about stage?
1: Yeah, love it. I just finished I mean, a piece in New York. I was doing from August to Christmas. What was that? It was a new John Patrick Shanley play yeah. at uh, Manhattan Theater Club.
0: And so you're still doing a lot of that.
1: I do now. I kept theater. I kept theater outside of L. A. At an arm's distance when my kids were young. Right. You oh, but now them. you can do it. But now they're grown-ups.
0: That's so, right.
1: Yeah, so now I'm I'm going to do it again.
0: Like what what do you what are you hoping to play? I mean, it, it, I there mean the producers a, was great, and you, right, and you did you did. Uh, Larry's play, I did right? Larry's play, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what would you, like, if they'd bring back something, what would you want to... Do?
1: There's only one part in the theater that I pine for, and I'm probably uh, a little old to play it at this point. I always Peter wanted Pan? to do... And you, it's not something that people would think of me for. <laughs> yeah. But I always wanted to do Sweeney Todd.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah.
1: Because if you're going to do a role that somebody's done, you kind of, I always think, well, what can I bring to it that makes it worth mm-hmm. doing for an audience. And I think there are things about Sweeney Todd um, that that I haven't seen an actor incorporate or deal with. Wow. And that I think could be really exciting. Um, what about
0: non-musical traditional drama?
1: There is nothing I pine for. Yeah. You, you know, there's no... Right. I, 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 um, you don't want
0: to play Willie Loman?
1: I, I would... You know, if it was the right production, I yeah. would be f- excited to do it. I don't know that I... I'm going to reinvent the wheel uh, on <laughs> Willie Loman. I don't think, you know, I mean, I didn't get to see um, um, uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman do it. Mm. Uh, and the the response critically to him was that he reinvented the role. I would have loved to have seen that because that's such a rare thing to be able to take right. a role like that and not step into echoes of what has been done before. Right. If he was able to do that, I really would have loved to have Oh, Sorry, that. I missed but, it. They didn't
0: yeah. tape it, huh? No. Well, it, well, it seems like you're good.
1: Uh, life is, uh, baseball's been very good to me. How yeah. old are your kids? Uh, my younger one is about to turn 22, and my older one will be 26 in May. Wow. Yeah. He's doing good. He's uh, He's a good actor and a very funny guy. He's got a... Two man sketch comedy team here in town does a lot of improv. And, Where are
0: they working at UCB? Or? He
1: does mostly. They work out of the I O space. Oh yeah, uh, but he's done UCB, he's uh-huh. done Groundlings, he's done all that stuff, and he's with like seven improv teams in town. It
0: just—that's the new thing.
1: Well, it gets—it's great. It's the ten thousand hour thing, you know. It's get up and do something. But like 10,
0: improv in particular, I think that's one of those things. Like what you're talking about, like I've noticed just from like even from Seinfeld days that the the model for what you know what makes a show right. like it used to be with, we got a comic he's got a point of view would build a show around it right. but these people that come up through sketch and the improv they learn very right at the beginning how to work with other people Absolutely. how to direct how to put things together yeah i mean that's really where it's at and that's the new world that's kind of what i'm talking about so my son gabe has
1: this whole network of yeah. young writers, filmmakers, directors—you know—that yeah. that, so he's constantly doing stuff. Right. Eventually, one of those things is going to make a difference.
0: That is that that is where it happens. It's yeah. a, it's the improv community, yeah. improv and sketch community. It's
1: very exciting, and they're all—you uh, know—normally I kids. go. They are good kids, and normally I go to these things and I go, "Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not hip to what they're doing." his stuff i go wow that's really smart that's yeah. really funny and really smart and you
0: get it and it works yeah do you ever do improv i've done it i've
1: never studied it uh, right. you know I've, I've looked at it and i've jumped into it and, oh yeah and uh and i can hold my own you know i don't know the rules i don't know yeah, all right, those. Right. you know always say yes and and i yeah. go well. see the difference between improv and, and acting you, yeah. and you'll you'll know um acting scenes become interesting the minute there's conflict yeah the minute there's a conflict something starts to happen yeah in improv they go yes yeah and and i go so my instinct in improv is for a guy to go the ship is sinking yes but it doesn't have to yeah you know <laughs> yeah if you do this well, i can't do that but you must do this and then i go now i'm in a scene right he, my son will go yeah that you fucked it up <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> you can't improv yeah.
0: so do you ever go back to jersey I don't have family in
1: Jersey What about, anymore. do you
0: have any, what happened to Bruce Davidson?
1: Bruce Davidson, when last I understand, uh, is a doctor in Illinois. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Doing quite well. I yeah. saw, actually, I saw him... I think the last time I saw him, he had, he brought his kids to L.A. and we we all went down to the farmer's market oh, and had nice. lunch down there and caught
0: up a little bit. Though. Yeah, yeah, because he's the one guy you mentioned. From, yeah, from and high he school. had three
1: sisters, and his and his three sisters came to see me do a play in New York. I can't remember if it was Larry's play or this last one, but yeah.
0: So. And you talked to uh, everybody from the show still? No, nobody.
1: <laughs> no. Well, not nobody, but. Um, I, I hardly ever communicate with Jerry. Yeah. Uh, Michael, I don't even know where Michael is. Yeah. Um, and Julia, well, Julia's been Hell, going yeah. through a thing. So um, I adore Julia. Yeah. Uh, I just haven't heard from her, so sure. I don't know how she's done. I've sent yeah. her some you emails. Know, I hope, she's, emails, good. I hope but, she's doing um, getting through I, it. God, I hope so. Yeah. Um, uh, Larry occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, my my closer relationships from that show are people like Patrick Warburton, Mm. uh brian cranston Uh um some of the bench right jerry stiller yeah um for whatever reason, the four of us—and I hope it doesn't make people sad or think we're we're odd—but yeah. Jerry, Julia, Michael, and I were never really social friends, so we didn't sure. like shoot the show on Friday and go, "Hey, let's have dinner tomorrow." Oh right? yeah. No, so when the show ended, we had no history of that. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> you know? It's a
0: very odd thing that you know you create this illusion for people of this unity. Yeah. But like you know, when you're done, you're done. I was on the radio for a couple of years with a guy. We never did nothing. Right. And well, it... I
1: talked to—I just saw Penn and Teller in yeah. Vegas, and you know, I'm always amazed at that relationship because they're really just professional colleagues yeah they don't really socialize they don't hang out how could you
0: on some level
1: it's but it's kind of brilliant because what i what i found with our show is that i had such limited expectations of anything yeah. outside of the set that right i was never disappointed right you know it's, it's I, I didn't expect them to come to my openings i didn't expect them to you know right. send me birthday cards it just wasn't that thing it's so work it was a great place to go to work absolutely yeah
0: Yeah. and at the sound of the jackhammer that's when we got to wrap it up
1: oh is that what it is
0: (laughs) it was a pleasure mark great talking to you i'm I'm glad we did it thank you that's it that's our show i hope you enjoyed that jason again at the new jersey performance arts center in newark and state theater in new brunswick uh april 14th and 15th with the uh the new jersey symphony orchestra uh, I will be go to WTFpod.com slash tour for my Europe dates. I'm coming to London, Oslo, Amsterdam, Stockholm and Dublin in a couple weeks. And uh, I, I have yet to set up the guitars. So bear with me. We're in the new space. I'm surrounded by foam being held uh, in place by dowels, by tape on a stand. And uh, and I, I I'll get the guitars going soon and I'll get that mic up soon. I'm just trying to get settled in. All right. Boomer lives!